one. Good evening and welcome to tonight's show. How you doing? It feels like it's been a million years. I know it hasn't been a million years. We were supposed to do this last night, um, but I got tied up, so we had to push. I hate pushing, but sometimes you got to push, especially if you're in the delivery room. If you don't push, there's going to be problems. It's always good to push. So um, tonight we're talking about Babylon. Just a quick overview before we bring out our guest du jour. Um, one, we have Franche Coma of the Misfits coming on the show. You're not going to want to miss that. That is a that is going to be a, a, a deluxe episode. We're going to be live. Join us in the chat. Do not miss this show. It's going to be a great show. Uh, we had Mr. Jim on last year. That was a smash. Uh, two, um, Aaron from uh, Last Rockers TV. You've seen her all over social media. She got the spiky, punky, spiky haircut. She got all the spikes coming out. Coming out. She, uh, I always see her interviewing all sorts of punk rock musicians. Uh, she's got a, a growing channel. Uh, I, I'm super in awe of her uh, grinding. Uh, I want to pick her brain. It's going to be great. She's going to be on Pizza Punk, so that's going to be really fun. Lastly, I haven't posted this show yet, but Sharpie Riot, CEO of Riotstickers.com, official sponsor of the Fromus channel. He's coming on. We're doing a very special. He came up with this idea for a Misfits show. Uh, Misfits theme type show. He had a question that he posed to me. We're doing like our own top 10, top five list. He's got top five. I got my top five. It's going to be really, really fun. So check those out. Those are all coming up. Make sure you're subscribed. Smash that subscription button. Isn't that what the, all the kids are saying these days? Um, so tonight, our guest waiting in the digital green room is none other than Nathan D. Ludwig. Um, you know him. For, he's been on this show a million times. He's this guy's a renaissance man. He does everything. He he produces movies. He runs a film festival. He's an author, a writer, filmmaker, all that stuff and more. Guy, uh, super passionate uh, lover of film, all film, as am I, which makes perfect sense to have him for the show. In fact, it was it basically his idea. Um, he want you know he was he would or at least he said, hey, I want a podcast about this. So I was like, yeah, hey, a podcast, a pad podcast on the opening of an envelope is what I'll do. So um, we're here tonight to, to mainly talk about Babylon. I'm sure it will bleed into other things. Well, let's bring them out. Let's hear what's going on. And yeah, enough of the, enough of the, the, the Michigas here. Hello. Hello, Nathan. Oh, shit. I can't hear you. Oh, hey. How's it going? Oh, now I can hear you. Okay. Yeah, there you are. Great. Hey, what's Good up? Good evening. Good evening and welcome. Welcome. You're wearing my hat tonight. That's my hat. Oh yeah. I just wasn't wearing it tonight. You're sweat. That was you're trying to copy me. The genre blast hat. Yeah. What's your problem, man? What's your problem? That's not oh, cool. I kind of impartial Jesus. to it. Yeah, I, I would imagine so. Um, how you doing, man? I feel like I I've kind of spoken to you a little bit, but I you know I just been seeing you've been a busy little beaver. Yeah, I got another book coming out. Can you believe that, bro? I got to tell you. You are, first of all, congratulations. Second of all, I want to hear all about it. Third of all, I, I got to tell you, you you got me you got me thinking about like the book thing. I'm thinking like, it's very inspiring. I'm like, I kind of want to do it too. I'm just like trying to figure out how to do it. But like, I, I was telling Paul Grammatico, he was on the show the other day. Oh, I was yeah. like, I want to do it. So I'm going to figure out how to do it. And when I do, I'll do it. I'm going to do it through from us. That's what I'll do. I'll do you got to diversify your portfolio, man. Just get into everything. I love it. Just get into everything. Uh, is this the Comfy Nihilist? The Comfy Cozy Nihilist. It's my first short story collection. So, yeah, it's it's mined from... There's a couple previously published stories from anthologies that I felt would work in this situation. There's a, a bunch of stories that I created just for this anthology and a couple stories that I kind of converted from short screenplays. You know how it goes with short screenplays. Oh, yeah. If you don't shoot them yourself, you know, that's it. Where, where, where else are they going to go? Your friends will read them. That's it. So I turned them into short stories for this collection. So, well, that's what when you said that to me initially, like a while ago, that's what made me think, "Holy shit! I got like a thousand short screenplays. I just got to figure out how to adapt these things." And you know, I, I could literally like you know like uh, show them right here on the channel. Like I, that's what I'll do. You know, I mean, yeah. why not? You know, um, absolutely. I think that's a great idea. 
I think it's great. Yeah, and also, so if if you guys, if anybody knows what Horror Pack is, um, Nathan produced a anthology film called Worst Laid Plans. It's a it it is a really really fun anthology. If you like anthology horror, you're going to really enjoy this. I've seen it. I've had the privilege of seeing it already. Um, it's part of the horror horror pack. What is horror pack? Nathan? Horror pack is run by a really cool dude named Chris Etheridge. And he, it's basically a subscription. He's also box. been on this channel as yeah. well. It's a monthly subscription box for people who love horror movies. Um, you can do DVD or Blu-ray. You can go month to month. You can do a three month plan. I think you do a six month plan, a year long plan. And every box you get four movies, um, four Blu-rays or four DVDs, depending on what you do. And I've been subscribed for a little while, and I always get at least two movies that I, I don't own. And I own a lot of movies, as you can see. So it's a really good service if you're really into horror or you're looking to get into horror and you're looking to fill in your library. They have good stuff. It's not a bunch of junk. You know, I got I got the curated, curated and whatnot. Yeah, December last. The box that came out in December, I got The Lodge on Blu-ray, which is a great friggin' movie. Wow. So, have you seen The Lodge? Yeah. Well, that's a brutal movie. Yeah. And I, I've been wanting that? to that's a second, that's the that's the follow-up for another filmmaker. What did he what was the first thing they did? Oh gosh. I can't they did something else. Um almost positive. They there was another movie that from the maker of the lodge, but yeah, brutal, brutal movie. Totally. Yeah, it's a great service, and we have our film worst late plans. We're doing a limited run to fill our, our backer, you know, needs for the, for the film. Right. right. And to, to give it, you know, horror packets to put it in their box for a month. So it's beautiful. They're it's beautiful. allowing it out. To let people, it's usually a surprise, but they're letting people know that you can get worse laid plans. Collectors limited edition, January, sign up by January 15th, get your box of horror movies. Yeah. Do it, do it. Or I, I'll put, we'll put the link down somewhere. Yeah. I forgot to add that. Um, and yeah, so I mean, Nate literally, he's doing he's doing a million gajillion things. But in and as well as as well as all the things that Nate does, we he also watches movies. And he watched Babylon. I watched Babylon. Um, let's just let's just tear into this this sucker. What I mean, first of all, this movie was marketed so poorly in this, terms of what it really was. This is a tragedy. Tragedy. Know. Tragedy. It's a tragedy. This movie bombed. And it's what is an 80, 75, 80 million dollar movie, and it's only made what like 10, 15 million dollars or something. It's just this movie is. I was, I had a smile on my face. My wife and I went to go see it, I had a smile on my face the entire time. <laughs> just the from one scene to the next. Are we doing spoilers? Yeah, totally. We're doing Spoil spoilers. The shit. Spoil the shit out of this thing, dude. The first scene is a is a is a guy trying to get an elephant to a a Hollywood party, and the elephant takes a giant shit all over him and his friends. And yeah, then they, they cut to the party, and there's just a giant twenties orgy, a roaring twenties orgy yep. at this party that in this house that is you know basically Bacchanal. nowhere that it would become the Hollywood Hills, basically. So. Uh, I didn't even pick up on that. Right. The, of course, the Hollywood Hills. Because yeah. it's desert. I mean, they're literally in the desert. Um, yeah. They're yeah, probably it, on Mulholland or, you know, Laura something Christian like that. Something, you know? But this movie is top three films of the year I've seen so far. Uh, last year for me, it was Nightmare Alley. It was, um, oh, you froze up. Jeff, you froze. Just kidding. I didn't freeze. I don't even know if we're live right now. So Jeff went away. Where did he go? I guess if he went away, that means the feed is gone. I don't know. It says we're live and recording. Jeff. Am I running the show by myself now? This is so weird. Where did Jeff go? So anyways, if you're watching, what was your favorite films from uh, last year and this year? I was going to say my top three. Boy, I hate it when that oh, happens. It is that is the worst. I was like, am I running this thing by myself now? <laughs> no, that is just so the pits, man. Thank you for uh, hanging in there. Sometimes it was one of us froze, it, or the system freezes. Mm -hmm. I miss stream. I got to go back to stream. I'm just so tired of this nonsense. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, yes, but yes, I, I don't know. I don't know where where you what what were you? So the I was going to say this movie. One of my favorites of the year. I say last year, kind of bringing it back to last year, my three favorite movies last year were Nightmare Alley, um, Last Nightmare Duel, Ridley Alley. Scott, that great, oh. great freaking movie. 
love and, that Rashomon and Teton yeah. from the director of Raw. Have you seen Teton yet? Uh, Teton, Teton from the director of Raw. Is that the one where she fucks a car? Yes, that movie is awesome. Yeah, that was crazy. I had no idea what the fuck was going on. I just knew she was fucking a car, and I was like, Jesus Christ. Those are my top three last year. This yeah. year, <laughs> Bones and All, Everything yeah. Everywhere, All at Once. Have you seen yeah. that yet? Seen them all. Seen them all. And Babylon. Loved it. Top three. Right? You know? This movie is so much fun, and, and the marketing does not... The, the trailers made it seem like, oh, it's about Hollywood... We'll just get drunk and have a good time. This movie is so beyond that. It is so debauched. And it tells it like it is. A lot of people don't realize how dark and seedy and Wild West early Hollywood was. Oh, yeah. Pre-Haze Code? Sure. Pre-Haze Code. And it's just like it's like casino. It's like the casino before they regulated, before the FBI got involved. And before it got gentrified and, and, and commercialized, the casino was the Wild West. It was created by gangsters. <laughs> and Hollywood. I, was- I, I understand why you're going with the casino vibe. I don't say I don't think I, it is there. There's as in fact, there's a very specific uh, the uh, the relationship between Margot, Margot, whatever her name is, uh, and and the dude, the uh, the Mexican guy. What, what's his face? What's his name? Margot Robbie is basically ginger. In this movie, she's right. Shown. And right. The, scene, the scene that ties it all together is at the very end when they show New Hollywood coming in, and they show that that yeah. reel of all the new stars. Hey, I'm so and so. I'm so and so. Right. They show all the buildings being demolished and all the right. new studio lots. That's exactly like Casino. So that in that way, yes, that's why when you said Casino, I was like, okay, I see where Nate has the Casino vibe. And I have to tell you, I, I really want to thank you because I had absolutely no interest in seeing this movie. And when you yeah. said Casino, I said, okay, I'm going to give this a shot. That that was the hook that I needed to go to the theater to see it because I was just like, eh, not even going to bother. And I'll tell you something. So, yeah, so this movie, so what I love about this movie, first of all, my so Nate's Nate's a, a proponent of the casino angle, which is there. I'm come I come at this movie from the boogie nights angle, which is also very sure. there in the sense yeah, that yeah. in the sense that boogie nights might as well spiritually and even once upon a time in Hollywood, all three of these films are in in my opinion spiritually in the same cinematic history in different periods of the history, whereas. You know, Boogie Nights. I don't know if I would put Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in there. That one plays a little fast and loose with history, where I feel this one's a little bit more accurate. Well, but both of those, both Boogie Nights and... The characters are fictional, but they're playing within the constraints of history, whereas, you know, is doing the opposite, basically. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Okay, we could pull... Maybe maybe Once Upon a Time doesn't fit in there as well. I'll go with Boogie Nights. Yeah, but Boogie Nights hands down 100% feels like the future of what Babylon is in that kind of way. Um, and there definitely, there's definitely this moment that we could talk about in, in a little bit where, you know, um, the, the boogie nights very famously um, re, uh, uh, sort of recreates the Wonderland murders in its own kind of way. Mm-hmm. And, um, and this movie is like, okay, hold, hold hold my beer and then goes and gives us a scene that is pretty much beat for beat, like the same sort of scene, but just a thousand times crazier than you could ever possibly imagine. And when we were in that part of the movie, I'm just going, I was in cinematic Nirvana. Actually, I was really in cinematic Nirvana. Are we talking about the Tobey Maguire scene? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 That, that was, that was, that was Nirvana. I was in Nirvana for that, but, what, when I was really, the other thing that really, like the two moments, the two highest points, the other point was when they when they uh, transferred over to Takis. Um, that and scene on the soundstage is that just... The soundstage, I mean, that should win, that should, that scene alone should make them win an Oscar. That is, that scene is so, the way it's Magic. directed, oh the sound design, you know the whole the sound design in the whole movie is 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 tremendous, but in it's, particular, it's a very dark scene, but it's also very funny too. And if you're a filmmaker or you've been on a set, you can relate 
Oh my God. So just, much to what's going on. Like the sound guy's got to get involved in everything. He's fucking up the takes. And <laughs> it's just, it's just, it was so real. It was so true. And now here's the thing that's interesting. Yeah. It's a fictional history that's taking place. Like it during like the, the accurate period of the time, what was happening was, was as follows, you know, um, you had a lot of silent stars that were not able to make this transition. It was probably the most significant transition in, in all of cinema, really, because acting literally had to change overnight. Even more so than black and white to color. Absolutely. Yeah. The biggest transition ever. Because you had people, you know, the way of acting silently was so much different. Uh, composition was different. Everything was different. Um, you know, it, it, it changed, having sound changed everything. Not only did you have to memorize dialogue now, but you had to, I mean, you, you had to one half of some would say the bigger half of, of filmmaking was born, which is sound. And, um, some, there were some silent stars who didn't have voices. Their voices weren't good voices they didn't have the mid-atlantic accent which is a fake accent or they all the hollywood act. stars they just yeah, couldn't that, deliver the lines properly or they just couldn't deliver the lines properly or they didn't have the right diction mm -hmm. which they tackle in the movie but that was a very real thing and and actors who were at the height the zenith were were suddenly washed up because they couldn't make that transitions profound profound time and that this dude decided to make a movie around that era. And, you know, that was kind of like, that was there. Like the, 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 that, that aspect I was just talking about is there, but it's not really in the forefront as much as say, just like the, the, just the sort of the spectacle of it all, you know, like it wasn't, um, you know, it was interesting. You had a lot of different arcs going on. You really just had a, a revolving cast of characters, much like Boogie Nights, just going through the times you know, um, negotiating the the ever changing you know backdrop of of Hollywood. It was as it was developing into the studio system from the silent system, and it was just fascinating, man. Like people were dying. People are dying. I don't know if that's real. Like people really getting snuffed like that in as extras. And and like the the guy that dies in the in the camera room on the soundstage. I believe that happened. Absolutely. I believe that happened, but I'm talking about the guy who gets impaled on set. Yeah. Like they have extras that are just impaling each other on in the field and like really like cutting each other up in the background. I, I mean, I wouldn't put it past in, in a, like in going a, for it. Yeah. I, be, I believe maybe not specifically, but I think he's probably just trying to capture the fact that it was, right. there was, that no, was more no safety, there's no OSHA. Right. There's, I mean, there's a fire on set and everyone's like, just let it burn. You know, everybody's just watching it, you know? <laughs> yeah. And people are getting impaled. They were probably just taking their job way too seriously. But with all the danger, that, that whole scene on the Kinoscope set out in the desert is fantastic. Like, like yeah, everything was... in this movie is fantastic in its own way. It was after, so rad, dude. The magic of filmmaking. Yes, there's some a guy gets killed and it's dangerous. But you know, it's like what he's trying to say is that movie making is dangerous, but it's an art. And the, the this is something that will never be back again. And these are the good old days, in you know, so to speak, as far as crazy filmmaking where there were no rules. You just had to get the shot, and that was it. Like when they finally get the shot, he gets there at magic hour at the last minute. Yeah, with the camera, yes. it's like okay, we have enough time to shoot, you know, and they get it, man. That's a great scene, just so, so, so good. If you don't know what Magic Hour is, basically there is this moment um, between uh, as the sun is setting, when it's right on the horizon, you have this. Uh, well, I mean, both visually, uh, I guess maybe maybe it's mainly a visual thing. Um, it's just you have the this perfect amount of light. Uh, for this be for beautiful, the light is perfect. Basically, that's what it means. It's called magic hour, and uh, you have about a you have like a half hour window to shoot in in this magic hour. In fact, um, that movie, The Revenant, with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, was made almost exclusively during the magic hour. Meaning that they shot whenever they shot, they shot during magic hour, which means that they or magic time, whatever the hell it's called which means that it took a really long time to make the movie because they had a very small window to shoot. They had to wait for that 30-minute window or whatever. Right. 
right before the sun sets right you know, at dusk or whatever to shoot that's crazy like it's that, crazy yeah i mean it is the best lighting it really is i've shot at magic hour and it's you can't you can't you can't beat it you can't it beat fantastic. it fantastic but, but in 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 babylon that was also a great scene when he's rushing to get the camera and that just so captures i mean this movie really captures what it is to make movies and the mm -hmm. idea that like the entire he, he went through what how many cameras did he go through they broke they, just, like, yeah, they broke they broke 10 cameras they send out this this errand boy who rises to the top you know they send him out and he's he grabs an ambulance and like you know that's the other thing too is that what causes this guy to rise up is is two factors one um he makes shit happen you know he's scrappy and ingenuitive and two he's in the right place at the right time and those are like the two elements that you needed back then in order to make it in the business you know it wasn't about necessarily who you know and it wasn't necessarily about you know how good you were it was about can you get shit done and are you there at the right time uh at the right place at the right time Yep. And and that was uh, and he just you know he's rushing to get the camera back and the director's a German guy which was so funny because you know the other thing too to go back to the silent acting you know you think of German expressionalist acting um, which is something that actually Nicolas Cage our 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 our, our, our wonderful uh, uh, icon Nicolas Cage takes so much from German expressionalist acting which is why. People say, oh, he doesn't know how to act. But really what he's doing is he's borrowing from these 1920 silent films where everything is super heightened. You know, he sat there studying these things. And he so once he knows how to act, he just needs to be directed. Yeah. That's all. He's right. an actor's actor. Right. Yeah, right. Direction. So, yeah, he's going to do all these shitty Blu-ray movies, you know, straight to Blu-ray movies. They're fine. But I mean, you I like, know, like any other actor. They just need to be directed, you know? And when you find the right material with, like, a Werner Herzog when he does Bad Lieutenant, too, I mean... Yeah, dude. Fantastic. Fantastic. And and, um, and then you see, you see that, you see them them fall off. They they fall off because, you know, every, you know everybody's talking and they can't, yep. you know, just down to it's super hot, the lights are super hot, the, the, the sweat dripping down on the page... Yeah, they're causing the the ink on the friggin' the type the type print to run. Mario Robbie's got to do the same line over like fifteen times in the movie. Got to hit the hit mark. You got to hit it's, your mark. It's all. It was all. But the thing is, now nowadays we're like, oh, that's all normal. Back then, that was all new to them. Everything yeah. about that was new. It didn't matter if you didn't hit your mark back in the with, without sound or without any of that other stuff because they were just shooting basically. They were just shooting wild. So. I mean, yeah, you got to hit your mark on the soundstage. You got to make sure you're under the mic because that's where the mark is. You got to say your line at a certain volume. You can't be too loud. You can't be too soft. You know, the microphones are in a certain space. They were just right. Like, well, that was what microphones. That was where I was really laughing too because you know I've run sound and picture on my own work, and it is, you know, if 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 you have a stationary microphone then the the actor needs to be right directly in the pickup pattern which is why that mark was so important and when and when they suggest we'll just move the microphone i also was laughing because sometimes it's a pain in the ass to move the microphone and back then this brand new technology he's like we're gonna have to stop for 30 minutes to readjust every the microphone, the microphone just yeah. hanging by these wires it's like it's insane. They hadn't invented, you know what it was? They hadn't invented boom arms. Yet. No like, boom mics. It was hanging from the ceiling. So if you wanted well, to move it, you had to stop every, yeah, you had to stop everything. You had to take it they down. Had like move crane it. booms. Like they literally in like within the year or so, whatever, like the next few years, they had these long arching crane booms that were, that were, that were literally built for this very specific problem. That was the, 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 the invention, the child invention of the mother necessity, right? That they're like, okay, well, we we need to be able to uh, move with these microphones more fluidly. How are we going to do that? So they build these these boom uh, these giant boom arms. Um, what was should, let's let's just talk about the, the the crazy scene. But before we do, hold on. Before we do, you know, <clears throat> when you're working under hot lights, things get sticky. And you know what else gets sticky? Stickers. And as I mentioned at the beginning of this episode. Riot Stickers is the sponsor of this channel. 
They're running a special promotion. 1,000 stickers, $79. It's seven cents a sticker. It's got a UV coat on it. They're made out of vinyl. They These things are weatherproof, man. You cannot sway them. Um, we're doing an exclusive deal right here. You can only get it on this channel. Link is in the description. Riotstickers.com backslash from us. Go there. Get your 1,000 stickers. Seven cents a piece. You can't beat that price. I'm going to play the quick 60-second Less Than Jake video that everybody knows so well. Let's uh, just pull that sucker up. There she is. Um, so what did you think of Brad Pitt's, um, character and his arc? What was he, uh, Jack something, Jack uh, Colson, uh, Jack, uh, was Jack, Jack something, Jack Lord, but, uh, <laughs> uh, what was his name? Um, Jack something. And I was trying to figure out what, who was he like real person? They were kind of like imitating, you know what I mean? A little bit of Errol Flynn, yeah. a bit of just hmm. like maybe like a john barrymore or something like john that ba oh yeah lots of john barrymore who is the uh grandfather of drew barrymore mm -hmm. um yeah definitely john barrymore just like the leading silent man mm -hmm. and what's interesting is what ends up happening to him his arc is really you know interesting in that he can't really make the transition and everybody laughs at him. And there's a really interesting scene towards the end where he goes into the, they, they sort of make this character. She's probably based on someone real as well. This uh, tabloid, you know, she's like a tabloid queen. Okay, like, a, uh, was it a uh, head, 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 a hopper? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. 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 She was, she was older. It's kind of interesting too, because with her age and the time frame that we were witnessing, um, she like, I mean, she witnessed the dawn. She literally witnessed the dawn of mm -hmm. movies. I mean, she was writing about movies before movies probably existed or as movies started to come into existence yep. uh, because she was in her, she must've been in her sixties or even seventies by that point. That's a great uh, little scene with her and Brad Pitt when, um, yeah, Gene Smart plays the gossip columnist for the films. Like, yeah, so it's like a gossip columnist, right? Yeah, and and she's, yep. and she basically tells him how it is. He comes into her office, like being like, "Why the fuck did you, you know?" She, write, she writes this article about like, is 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 Jack through because he's right? He can't act with the talkies, but she's not being mean to him. She's just like writing an article that's like is he done like he if he, he's not cutting the mustard what is is you know and he's he's offended because he wants to keep going in the movie but yeah he's a laughing stock because he can't act after the after sound comes in he can't deliver the lines properly and uh, he goes to her office and is like why did you write this about me and she's like don't take it personally like this is like this is going to keep happening like it's new things are going to keep happening new you know that everything's right. going to you know we come and go the people the actors come and go the gossip columnists come and go you know but you'll you know you're in the movies and you'll be there forever you know you'll be in, you know enshrined in history and you should be appreciative of that even though and it starts in 23 so we are literally watching events that happened 100 years ago and she says 100 years from now people will be watching you yeah. on the screen and he and was she was like, like early 30s so like about 10 years right probably like right 10, well 30, at that point roughly, when she yeah. says it yeah, yeah when yeah. she says it to him it's actually 90 years ago but still the, the point being that that she's basically saying you have you know you're worried about you know your finite time 
left here now, which is basically run its course. But you are immortalized. She like kind of painted, tried to paint him the bigger picture. And what's interesting is, I think that 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 planted the seed for what eventually he would do. He self ends himself. Mm -hmm. he, it's a very he, sad scene. Yeah, it's very sad. And I think that, but I think that what ultimately allows him to do it is that conversation, his assurance that he will live forever, and that people will be remembering him 20 uh, 100 years from now because she says no one's going to remember any of us no one's going to even know we existed but they'll know you existed mm -hmm. and when he realizes that when he realizes, persona. yeah exactly when he realizes that his place is secured he decides to allow himself to exit stage right if you know what i mean and he does it and that scene also is very very boogie nights-esque we sort of follow him as he goes up the stairs. He gives his billfold to a bellhop. There's a great, great throwaway line. He says, what's the highest tip you ever got? And he said, $50. He said, who gave me that tip? He said, you did. And he gives him his whole billfold. I thought that was really great. He says, do something great with it or something. And 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 one of the things about that scene is like the entire scene, even one of the better scenes, it's a very short scene when he's shooting that crappy movie. That, that he's basically bailing them out for. And he's on, they're on the beach. It's like a right. movie or something. And he's talking to one of the PAs or the sound guy. He's like, how long, how many movies? And he's an old guy, one of the crew right. guys. He goes, how long have, how many movies have we done together? And he's like, oh, about 80 or so. 82. Kind of, there's nothing else. That, that's the whole scene. But you know, like, he's like, you know, he's going to kill himself. It's not a surprise. Like, as soon as he's like at the hotel with, um, what's her name? The, the actress who does the pussy song in the beginning of the movie. Right. Uh, she She's there and they're kind of having a conversation. You're like, he's going to kill himself. It's not a surprise, but it's just a very sad scene. Cause you know, he's, he's working through the, the it, mentally, like how he's going to do it. Like how he's going to leave all this stuff behind. He's saying goodbye to her. And it's just like, man, it's just, it was very, it was very melancholy. And it was, it was a very well, every scene in this movie is so well executed. Like I can't, stress that enough this movie is amazing okay and i gotta tell you again you're not expecting you know they don't really there's so much that's in the movie that you don't see it in the trailer like you just don't know they just didn't know how to market it and i don't know why they should have done it like a tarantino boogie nights yep kind of thing just saying how crazy this movie is and it would have done better i yeah. really do and just hype up the fact that margot roby is insane in this movie and brad pitt is dashing and you could have literally said before Boogie Nights, before Once Upon yes. a Time in Hollywood, there and was Babylon. Um, the gentleman, the, the young actor's name, I can't is it uh, Dame? No, what's his name? The uh, Mexican guy? The main character, yeah. He's basically yeah. the main character. He, they don't feature him in the trailer at all, barely. Like, he's the, basically the... He's, he's great, the, man. He's such a great, he's such a great presence. And he's I us, just... basically. He's kind he's of us. us. He is us. We're his avatar. Mm -hmm. And he just is enamored and in love with with the process that he just wants to be a cog in the wheel and he works his way up and we get to this point where, and you know, he has this entanglement, this on and off entanglement with, uh, uh, what's her name in the movie? Uh, what's her, her stage name in the movie? Oh gosh. It's been two weeks since I've I seen know. <laughs> Busty so, Sinclair or something. It's like uh, whatever. Yeah, uh, it's a made up name, but Robbie's yeah. Robbie's character's name. Yeah, and and, and what happens is um, they eventually she just gets oh and Eric Roberts and the it's, snake. It's like, oh my god, Robert is her dad. Yeah, and uh, I mean she literally shows up in the movie in some in a stolen car, drunk, and just crashes yeah. into a statue. She's like, "Who put that fucking statue there?" And it's just like one statue in the middle of the whole. You know, desert, the empty desert, entrance. and she just crashes the party because she wants to be famous. She wants to get noticed, and she gets noticed because there's a girl who ODs in a room with right. a guy. And I don't know. I think they alluded to the fact. I mean, she's a worker, but she's also like basically like a call girl too. So, but she works on set as well. Like that's because that's that's how it was back then in the Wild West. They just got hot chicks to be in these yeah. movies, and that's all they needed to dance and to be sexy and stuff. They right. need to act, you know? So, and that's why she, cause she could act though. That was the kind of thing, but she never got respected as like a serious actress, even though she had this amazing charisma, they were like, yeah, you're good enough for this, but you know, you're a skank, you know, we're not going to really respect. Well, you. that was the thing was she had talent, but she could never outlive 
her background and her accent. She never escaped her past, on. and yeah, and exactly. And she was a wild partier, and she was in trouble with the, with money. And she was she was Sharon Stone in Casino, she was, literally. She was ginger and, from Sharon from from she Casino. Was. And 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 you know, and uh, dude is always trying to bail her out. Uh, the main character, I can't kind of look at his name. I feel really bad. I feel bad, yeah, because he's a really good actor. He's, yeah, I feel it's so disrespectful to not know his name. Because um, I, mean, I think it's the first thing I've ever seen him in. Um, yeah, I don't. He's not uh, a completely familiar face. Well, let me see. It's coming up right now. Uh, uh, Diego, Diego Calva, yeah, yeah, Diego Manny, Manny, right? Of course, Manny, Manny. yeah, yeah, he's really yeah. good. So, so Manny is, yeah, Manny is in the Robert De Niro kind of spot. He's always trying to like fish her out. She gets, she's a gambler, and she gets into some deep, deep, like, like really deep dark trouble. stuff, not like comedic stuff, like really, like yeah, these guys are gonna kill her. And right. Well, they're going to do way worse. They're going to pour acid down her. P U S S Y. I can't yeah. say that word on YouTube. I'll get in trouble. Um, yeah, they're going to pour acid down. I mean, like they just describe, and then they go to meet her, and we see Ethan uh, Supley in this wonderful little character spot where he's like hawking loogies. It's just so great. Mm-hmm. When you see Toby Maguire in just, I mean, he is he's just a ghoul. Hideous makeup. He's a ghoul, man. Yeah. He's just straight up ghoul. Terrifying. And then we get this reveal while we're there. We get this reveal that that they are that they have fake prop money. And when I saw that. I was like, oh, this is, it's like the scene in Boogie Nights when they it go, is. literally is. They go and they're like, you know, uh, uh, Thomas Jane is going to rob the guy. History yeah. repeats itself, literally. Yeah. And they're like, <laughs> yeah, it's just one of those scenes where, like, it's like the scene in Sicario when Benicio del Toro goes and kills the family and the kids. Just like at the end of the movie, it's you're just like, I'm in a really dark place right now. And I'm I have glad. not seen, I have not seen Sicario yet. Oh but man, you got to see Sicario. I, yeah, it's it's been on my list for some time. But what's but but here's the thing, you know, and they you could call that I I don't know if you would I don't it, it it's Hitchcockian suspense. Mm-hmm. The we learn from the characters something uh, that the other character doesn't know, and suddenly the scene, um, the stakes are raised in the scene because we know that they have fake money, and we're waiting for them to find out. And they get put into a really precarious situation because Toby Maguire, he's got movie ideas, and he's telling them about his crazy movie ideas. And oh then they're like, God. let's go, let's go to the they call it the uh the uh asshole of, of yeah. LA, which is just a dark pitch black tunnel in the middle of nowhere. They go and they go oh down these God. layers of debauchery. Every single layer is a different crazy scary movie, like eight millimeter or something. And well, no, it's David Lynch doing eight millimeter. Yes. Like we yes. literally what happens is Babylon just goes, Hey, surprise, now we're in a David Lynch film. At, for no reason, just and, for and, absolutely and, no reason, and it doesn't come out of nowhere because this is a violent movie and it's it's a dark film, right? It's, it's yeah, true. Like, funny. hey, you should know that this stuff is here because so it's like, been, you yeah, know? you're like, oh my god, but at the same time, you're like, this did it didn't exactly come out of left field, even though it feels like it did. It the tone of the movie sets it up perfectly, I think. And the the then, tone of the movie suggests that something like this could happen, but you still don't. I didn't think that this movie. Right, could take us to a place like this, and then once I was there, I was going, "Oh boy, this is." And I got to tell you, the way I saw it, I, you know, I did something I haven't done in a long time. I went to McDonald's, I I got three cheeseburgers, I put them in my pocket, I put a giant fry in my other pocket, I walked into the Alamo. Three hours. And I maybe. sat in the dark. Yeah, I sat in the dark, and I had one of those uh, pies, the hand pies. Oh my god! And I sat in the dark, and over the course of three hours, I ate my three cheeseburgers. Not just a cheeseburger, not the quarter. Yeah, yeah. And um, I, I can't tell you, I can't tell you the satisfaction of pulling a, a small cheeseburger out of my pocket and eating it while I'm sitting in a dark theater watching this, just this beautiful piece of cinema. It was just, it was a wonderful experience. And then when we get, like I said, we get to this scene and you just know, much like the other scenes, I mean, this guy, Damien, whatever his face is, Chazelle. is, yeah, he is a master, he is a master scene smith. He He's knows how to take a scene. Yep. He's fantastic, dude. He knows how to friggin' 
Uh, he knows how to elevate a scene to this. To People this. forget this is the guy who made fucking Whiplash. Like that movie is fantastic. I also haven't seen Whiplash. What? I know. I need to see it. I know. Jeffrey. Hey, listen, I go to the movies a lot, Nate. I see stuff when I see stuff, but right. yeah. Mario Whiplash. I think those came from the same year, too. You have you have some holes in your game in 2015. By, by the way, by the way, my I don't usually do best of list, but since you went with yours, I'll tell you what mine were. Mine were Bones and All, um, Triangle of Sadness. I got to see that one. Oh, you do. Uh, the Menu. The Menu is up there for me, too. Um, and, uh, and I think Babylon are that that's, and I, I, you know, I really, really enjoyed, uh, everything everywhere all at once. Really, really, really good film. I don't know if it's in my top, but it, it is, I really, really. What about unbearable it. weight of massive talent? Oh yeah. That was also 2022. Yeah. That's up. Yeah. Uh, that's in my five. Sure. That'd be great because yeah, it really, it really, really, really was. That and movie I just mean, fun. Revisit. You could tell the people making that movie were just having a blast. It yeah. was, it was a really well done film. It was super meta. It was. It was it, about it was, the joy of cinema too. It was great. Yeah, I, I love movies that are about loving movies, and Babylon is that. Boogie Nights is that. The unbearable weight of massive talent is that. Um, there's just something really great. And where you have like something like, you know, you have really serious films that like attempt to sort of do that. I, there, there's, you almost need like the, just sort of like this, this zany over the top, like almost fl- flying off the rails energy to movies about making movies. Cause that's kind of what making movies is. And I feel like Babylon and Boogie Nights and all these films sort of have that energy, you know, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. I love these epic three-hour movies. Me too, man. And that's the other thing. It's like, you know, I felt like I was watching a movie that was being made in the 90s. It's like, who takes risks on a three-hour movie that's no idea? Anymore. They, they used to be everywhere in the 90s. Yeah, every other every other week there'd be a three-hour movie that comes out. You know, you got... Or just, you know, whatever, like two and a half hour, just like something like, but something that was original, well, you had that like, was you know, Carlito's Way or Braveheart or Casino. Or, sure. Oh, uh, yeah, that's true. Those are all pretty much three-hour movies. Else, sure. like, what else is like a three-hour movie? Um, no, but it's just, yeah, yeah. those epics, don't, they don't come out very often anymore. So I, I appreciate this movie. Down it's to- just everything is based on an established IP now. That's what's safe. And this is a movie, and we can see why the marketing didn't work, because they're like in a in a – in a landscape where it's all about, oh, we have the IP to do the work for us. And listen, you know, uh, uh, another film that I will applaud and champion for its marketing strategy is Megan. Because, oh my God, yeah, that, they did a good job. I mean, what they, the, the idea to, hey, let's take this really strange part of the movie and let's. That's See if we can get it to go viral. Unsettling. Six I, months. Not a six fan. months before that before that movie came out. That everybody knew who Megan was last they October. Knew that it was going to be meme worthy. So the memes started coming, and that that does the marketing for you. You know, uh, it was just it was free. It was free marketing. It was genius marketing. They tapped the audience, and you know what? And the movie doesn't suck either. Apparently, it's no, a good it doesn't. Movie. So, it, like, no, it's good. It's, it's really. Not good. Like Have you seen it? Have you seen it? The gimmick, because you know, like Snakes on a Plane, that movie sucks. Like, it's not a good film. You know what I mean? It's not. Like, it had a great marketing movie. campaign, a great gimmick, but it's not right. really a watchable film. Like, I heard that this movie is actually pretty decent. So, it's. Um, it's it's uh yes it 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 is decent it is good it is great and it's PG thirteen and what's interesting is you know I heard somebody on Twitter like you know sort of lament the fact that it was PG thirteen it's not a I mean it's a gory movie but it's not there's no gore in that kind of way it's PG thirteen but the thing is but what's interesting is it's like hey we have this we have this all this army of TikTokers. This is where art and commerce, I kind of think, meet meet in the right place. Like, we have an army of TikTokers. If we make this movie rated R, we are shooting ourselves in the foot. We can bust this thing wide open, meaning not just about making money, about, hey, we can make more. We can do more. We can expand. We can open the door. You know, if we just, if we 
find a way to tell the story to PG-13 box. And so some people were like really like annoyed by that. But I thought I was like, you know, that's really pragmatic of you. It's like, yeah, sure. It's like you're going to cut out some of the gorier stuff. You know, there'll probably be there's going to be like an unrated. There's edition. a director's cut coming, probably. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I saw it online that there is, but it's just the idea that like they 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 hit the nail with that marketing. Now, why couldn't they have done like something like that with Babylon? I don't know. It just every now and then there's a movie out. that comes out that they just fumble the marketing. They just don't know what they have. I mean, look at that movie. How unique it is as far as. What else has come out this year? Like, there, there really isn't a movie to compare it to. So you have this big epic three-hour movie made by a really, you know, a, a prestige director about a period in Hollywood. I guess it's probably for for people that aren't like us that are really into movies. It's probably not an interesting topic. I guess I don't know. Like, you know, it is Hollywood, but like, oh, 1920s hollywood pre haze code you know people are going to be like well what's that all about so i, I don't know i just I, I blame the trailer i really blame the trailer they kind of made the trailer more moulin rougey and they should have just yeah they really needed to sell us with the trailer that would have been a good i will be honest point. with you if it wasn't damien chazelle damien chazelle was the was the draw for me because i've seen whiplash i've seen la la land i've seen all his movies and i love his films so i was going to go see this no matter what because of the director but I can imagine seeing the trailer for this, and if you're not a big Damien Chazelle fan, or you don't know who he is, or you haven't seen any of his movies, you're like, well, what is this? Like, what what movie is this? I'll just wait for Netflix or whatever. So, you know, there's a lot of people that do that, and it's sad. It's sad that, you know, I don't like to film shame people, but I also don't want to be that guy that complains about <laughs> Marvel movies at the same time, too. But it really is. There are people that will only go see, like, the Marvel DC Pixar movies, Disney movies, and that's it. They don't go see anything else. And that's what these big studios count on is for people to go to the movies to see these big tentpole films. And the middle class has been eradicated in film. It doesn't exist anymore. It's all, they're all on streaming. So you're either going to get a low budget film like Bones and All, which is great, a great film. And I'm glad I got to see it in the theater, or you get Iron Man 6. And there's no, there's nothing in between anymore. There's no $40 million you know, Michael Douglas and Viggo Mortensen and Gwyneth Paltrow in A Perfect Murder coming this summer. Like, those movies don't exist anymore. There's no middle-budget movies for adults to go see. It's just, it, it does, I, and I don't know how it's going, how or when it's going to come back. I just, I guess it really comes down to uh, just knowing, or, you know, again, living in an area, hopefully, where you have places that play some of that fair, you know, I, I have my struggles personally. I go to the Alamo. You see how often I go to the Alamo yeah, there yeah, uh, as often as I possibly can. And even, you know, even I see the struggle, you know, various different little struggles and I like complain, but at the end of the day, I'm, I'm spoiled rotten with all of the stuff that comes through there versus say some of the other. Oh yeah. I try places. to see everything I can, but, I, I'm a little scared that this stuff is going to go away soon. It's all going to go away because look it at the look at the generations that are coming behind us. They don't really care about going. Well, to see eventually, them. all right. I'll tell you something. You know and what I'm would not, be? I'm not, I'm not bemoaning that. It's a different generation. They're younger. Right. They have different priorities. I get that. But our way of going to see movies is dying out slowly. It is, and I'm about to scare the shit out of you even more. Ready? Ready for this? Prepare for this. All right. Remember how we said we we said earlier in this episode that that um, the talking was the most significant development mm -hmm. in all of history. Do you know what I think might be the next, and not for the better? Uh, when if vertical video takes over, I'm not, and I'm starts not. to be. I'm not, I mean, it's already taken over, but I mean, are they going to play it in movie theaters? Cause I'm not, I don't, I would not, no, I would never, but as like, a gimmick, the, I like don't one know. or two movies as a gimmick, maybe yes. But every single film, no, I couldn't do that. Dude, it's start, I'm telling, but like, like people are shooting the wrong way. It's phone's fault too. It's because of phones. Phones are the reason why we have vertical video. There's vertical a whole generation video. of people grown up on phone videos and they don't understand how to shoot a film. Like they don't understand that, you know, it was the whole thing like in letterbox. Remember back in the day with letterboxing, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. you have your parents would be like, what is this shit? Why are there black bars on the film? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, 
I mean, yeah, this is the way you have to, that's the way it was shot. That's why they crop it like that because it's more cinematic. That's how it's supposed to look. And they, they don't get it. You know, they just want the whole screen, you know? When I used to sell, when I used to work at like Sam Goody or FYE in these places and people were like, should I get the full screen or the widescreen? And I always try and sell the widescreen. And I would say, look, you're going to have these two black bars, but you have to think about it like this. You're actually getting less movie. They cut off the sides of the movie. They cut off the left and the right side so of the movie. When you're you movie, you're yeah. missing. You are, you're getting about 50% less movie. If and they actually digitally <laughs> move the camera on, on pan and scan. It looks like scan. shit. Well, it's just insane. Like, it's just insane that they would, yeah, the pan and scan was absolutely, that was just insane. What a, what a, what a, what a, you know, I, I think about vertical video being crazy. Well, actually, vertical video is probably the single most batshit thing. And I'll tell you, now as content creators, you, there's a whole sort of industry. There's like a freelance industry of people adapting and converting 16 by 9 to 9 by 16 video. Yeah. And it's fucking insane. This idea that you have to take something that was shot horizontally and adapt it vertically. It's crazy. Yeah. I, I, it's you know crazy. what? I'm going to be that guy that tries to, that buys a movie theater in the corner of a city somewhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Keeps running it till he drops dead with two little two screen theater. God bless. Keep, keep playing movies on theater until I I, I I no longer am relevant. Like I'm I really well, believe that's that. old Nate and he that's his old movie theater. Right? Exactly, it's my church <laughs> is movie is going to the movie. It is theater. the, that's where it I is the cathedral. It's the cathedral. You no, know, I just uh, holy communion. There are young cinephiles out there that like going to the movies. I just don't think that there's enough of them that it's going to last for more than maybe twenty years. I did. Hey, I just saw Faster Pussycat Kill Kill on 35 at my Alamo, and it was a packed screening, and it was, man. The communal was, experience, it's it's really important. So um, It is, man. It really, really is. I mean, I think there will always be theaters, even if it's in a very niche way, but like just going to like the, the days of the 90s when everybody, literally you saw everybody that you live near were at the movies to go see it's, the Lost uh, World, Jurassic Park, or whatever. You'd see your neighbors there, and everybody went to the movies. And now it's not so much. It's know? a, it's a. That is a bygone. It's just a bygone era, man. That is a uh, another. That was just a, a, a lost time, and I'm grateful for it. I cherish it, and you know, I mean, I don't know. It's like weird because then, like on like the you know the flip side, we have what we have now is we have convenience and. You know, and that's why nobody's going to the movies anymore is because you can watch everything at home. And I get that. It's very convenient. But if you give me a choice, like if you take the pandemic out of it, if you give me a choice to go see whatever, you know, uh, Matrix Resurrections to go see it at home or in the theater, I'm choosing the theater every single time. If I, I'm able to go. Yes. You know, as a matter of fact, oh no, you know what? Matrix, I did see it. That was, I did see that at home. But generally, like Irishman, when Irishman came out on Netflix, I saw that in the theater. Yeah. Same thing with the Breaking Bad movie. I, I really do. I try. If it's playing in the theater, I'll always try and see it in the theater over over that. I've got um, a, I've got a Regal IMAX near me, and the only reason I go is because they have an IMAX. And I oh, like, hey, dude, IMAX saw, is the shit. I saw Avatar in IMAX 3D, and I hate 3D, but it looked amazing. It looked fantastic. Why don't they have any IMAX non-3D screens anymore? That's what I like. They do. My my screen is normally just a regular. I like I saw Ambulance there, Michael yeah. Bay's Ambulance in IMAX. It was fantastic. I don't know if I would have watched it outside of IMAX. It was it was just oh. a great experience. But Avatar was the first time I had seen 3D in years. So. I, I was happy to just see it. I was fine seeing it in 2D. And that was the interesting thing, too. I posted something. I posted something online, and I, like, you know, I was being hyperbolic and silly. But, like, I was also kind of serious in the sense that, like, you know, a lot of people, myself included, I was ready to slag on James. It was a, James it's a better Cameron. film than the first one, and it's not a bad film at all. I liked it. But I was laughing at the end because he's just like, hey, get a load of this. Now I'm going to do Titanic. Like... <laughs> He's literally doing Titanic it's in Avatar. I was fucking like, dying. I was that, dying. That movie was Titanic and Aliens mixed together. And it, it was, was just, just I like, was 
dying. And Free there's, Willy. And there's, Free Willy. There's like ten minutes where it's like a whaling documentary. Uh, uh, it's like a, it's like a, it's like an outer space whaling documentary. And then there's a whole scene where the, the, one of the main characters is a whale. He's a fucking just, madman. They he just is talk a to each other. fucking madman. And he pulled it off. The crazy bastard pulled it off. I was like, what's going on this whale guy? Like, that's I what I happy. felt. That's exactly how I felt when I came out. When I when we got when I realized that I was now watching like Titanic Mach Two, and I was just thinking like, what a fucking masterstroke to just like turn around and be like, hmm, you know what I'm going to do now? I'm going to do Titanic, but I'm going to do it with the blue aliens on the Pandora planet. I'm like, all right, you know, because that's because you know James Cameron. He's like, look. I'm not going to reinvent the wheel, but I also am going to reinvent the wheel all at the same time. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just going to make all these characters Navi. Like, everybody, even if they're human, they're all all Navi now. That's what you want, right, guys? You know? So He's like, we're going to bring the bad guy back, but let's make him a a Navi now. Yeah, he's a Navi, (laughs) too. We'll just have Jermaine Jermaine Clement from Flight of the Concords and just uh, randomly. Oh, and I love how like biologist for like 30 minutes. The whole, (laughs) the whole, the whole fucking like the whole like, like crux of why they're even on Pandora at this point is like mentioned in one small cutaway scene where he's like, like, one little scene. He's like, oh yeah, by the way, this stuff is why we're even here in the first place. This, this, this. This doubles human lifespans right here. Oh, just by like, the way, kind of just, just a throwaway <laughs> line. Just a throwaway line. Like, wait, what? Like, it's like because it's got to have a pretty good reason. Why the fuck are they hunting these whales? And yeah. it's like that's a pretty good reason to hunt a whale. It's like hmm, immortality, fine. Um, but yeah, but like the point being is that like I what I wrote <coughs> what I wrote online was um, you hate movies if you didn't enjoy this movie and like. You know, that's like a really snobby thing to say, but like, I feel like it's kind of true in the sense that like, you can't deny going to the movies and just enjoying a three hour, 20 minute spectacle on a film whose hype died a year after it was the greatest grossing movie of all time. Nobody asked for this. Nobody wanted it. Exactly. I haven't seen the first one since I I saw it in theaters. I had no... Like, who cares? And he's like, no, 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 no. He's like, no, no, no. I'm gonna give it to you. You're gonna like it, and you're gonna enjoy it. And I, I'm gonna make another. And you know what he said too? Someone, uh, again, like I just got. It's just like he's like a. He really is. He's like a modern day cowboy, James Cameron. They go. They say, James, James, the movie can't be nearly four hours long. What are people gonna, you're gonna put have an intermission? What are people gonna do when they get up to go to the bathroom? He says, oh, they'll just catch it when they go to see it the second time. Like whatever they missed, and I was like, "Damn, the balls say, on that guy!" We spent all the time on that tech. The movie looks really good. Like it, the water. I was never like, "Oh, that's fake," or that looks. There's some stupid. no. There's like there's some stuff that's a little goofy, but yeah, like but, the but water, overall, I was impressed with how dude. Good. I was blown away. Like the detail, like it really was. You could tell that he had taken things to another level, and this really does all tie back to. Babylon because Babylon at the very end of the movie, which is also another really great, it was just, it was really well done. Uh, The movie, I will say this about Babylon that I didn't like. I really felt like they didn't know kind of what to do with Manny at the end. I love the way that she disappears into the night and it makes perfect sense for her. She disappears. His final scene when he comes back with his family and he in that whole, I, I really, I, I kind of teared up during that scene. Well, I, I liked it when he was in the movie theater. When he goes on what I like to call, you know what it was? He went through 2001 A Space Odyssey. When he was tripping balls. But yeah. for movies. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was like basically just like, he, he was basically space tripping. I love that scene. I was like, this is really cool. But I can imagine yeah. like a regular person going to see that and be like, what is this? Like, yeah, just not end? understanding. Do they yeah. just don't understand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What it, what that meant, what that was signifying, and yeah. you know, I sat there in complete awe of it. So okay. while I wasn't really happy with how Manny's arc kind of ended, I did love that. It's like, how else do you end a movie like Babylon, but just show us like the the two thousand one Space Odyssey equivalent of well, like, I mean movies. it's going back to the thing he's he's our he's the cipher for the film. He's us. Right. 
So it's just like it's almost like he's reborn in, it comes in the back movies. around. You're you're yeah. going through that history, you know, you're going from the 30s to now. Good I point. Like yeah. I like that. Yeah. It was good. But no, that's a valid point too. He he they could have put a little bit more into the character, I think, but I think they were yeah, kind he of just sort of he sort of he sort of languishes. I mean, I will say they kind of they do kind of languish a little bit. I think Brad Pitt has the by far the most well developed arc in the film. Like yes. he, everybody else, kind of comes and goes. Brad Pitt has a really well defined arc that carries through. But then when after he he dies after he exits, we're sort of left you know scrambling about. It's this kind of like in a way, Kareem. Kind of, maybe it was intentional. You kind of it was chaotic after he died. Like. There's, Good point. You know, it's like goodbye Good to point. the old film stars. Here's this chaotic new talk. He's like that scene. We haven't even talked about it. The scene where they're like, they're going to screen the jazz singer in New York. Go check yeah. it out and, and right. tell us what you think. I mean, and the jazz singer isn't even that great of a film, but no, it's not, but it was the first talkie and people were singing and dancing in the movie and the people were losing their minds because they yeah. had never seen anything like that before. And he's like, "Wow, everything's going to change," and and it really did. And like that kind of chaotic feeling, like these silent film stars are gone. They either can't work anymore. They they kill themselves. They drink themselves to death. And now there's this new frontier of of talkies of of talking actors. And it, I don't know. It kind of felt like it was off the rails a little bit, especially what happens to Manny and that scene in the church with Manny and. Um, what is Margot Robbie's character's name again? I can't remember her. Are you talking uh, about it? Are you talking about at the very end when Ellie, they like when they're Ellie gonna and like Manny, when they're gonna run away because she's in hawk to these gangsters? Right. The whole Toby Maguire scene, like the money's fake and he escapes barely with his life, and they're gonna run away. And Nelly's and they're in a church. Like, let's get married. Let's go to Mexico. It's all chaotic and hectic. Oh and yeah. And by the way, so he goes to the makeup. They go to pick up the makeup art. They go to pick up the prop guy. Uh, to go run off because they're going to run off with the prop guy too, who is, by the way, he's a dealer sidebar. too. Yeah, he is this character. He's like this Dracula cape wearing prop man. He's their dealer. A... He's also like a magician. And... Yeah, he's like Doctor Gonzo. He's got like a suitcase full of drugs. Yeah, and he's a magician and he does all these things. And his roommate is just like this is a very nineties scene in he's or a very nineties like character in he's the guy in Miller's Crossing. You remember Miller's Crossing? He's, he's, oh, like, he's yeah. like John Thompson. He's the guy sitting there eating cereal. You're right. You're I thought right. it was yeah, kind yeah. of a nod to like Miller's Crossing or something. And he goes and he goes, um hold on real quick. Hey HMX, um you have to see Babylon and I just want to say thank you so much. I just saw that you became a Patreon just now in my email. And I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for your support. Really appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Um, the uh, the um, what? But he's just sitting there eating cereal, and then he nonchalantly goes, "Hey," and then it gets fucking. Blown. Well, he's like Brad Pitt on uh, the couch in True Romance, or whatever. Right? Yeah, a little bit, little yeah. bit, yeah, a little bit. Uh, that was a very that was a very violent scene. It was. It was very violent. The ending is very violent. Um, from the Tommy McGuire scene on, it's very, very dark and, and violent. Um, we got. Let's real quick before we wrap things up. Let's just. I just want to dive a little bit deeper into this Tommy McGuire scene because, like I said, I don't know where the hell this thing is going. He's in the trailer because he's he. You can. He see is in the trailer, trailer, right? Very quickly, and so the whole time I was like, "When is Tommy McGuire going to show up?" Like, see. And it's at the very last, what forty minutes of the movie. Like, yeah, he's very, he's at the very end, and and his his character is just is insane, as we said. But when they they're going, and the dread that that's what really what I was feeling when I'm watching. Oh this yeah, movie. he's like he's he's like no, we gotta go, we gotta go, and he's like it's no, just dread. He's so persuasive, you know? and it's like what is going to be on the lowest floor of this debaucherous? Because we're just going through Dante's Inferno. It's literally Basically. yep. We're going down further into the depths of hell. And and we are we don't know what is coming. And basically, spoilers. No, I'm not going to say it because this guy HMX Band is here and he says he's not seen Babylon yet. So let's not. Uh, it, it involves pit fighting, an alligator, and uh, oh god! And the alligator is a Chekhov's alligator, which literally had <laughs> me. I was kicking my seat, the front seat. I was so filled with glee that that alligator wasn't Chekhov's alligator. I'm like, that is fucking 
like when you show something, it has to be a promise. And I think about now when I watch movies, everything is a promise. And then the, by the end of the movie, there are fulfilled promises and there are unfulfilled promises. Setups and payoffs, baby. I really want to thank Nate so much. I'm, uh, we're, we are at the hour, roughly, and we're being good boys tonight. Um, I want to thank Nate so much for coming on and and talking shop like always nate in the future next time we do it we got to get you on i don't think we've had you on a top five uh top five countdown yet that is like so much fun the way it works is it's kind of like a game of horse except not at all where you don't know what my five are and i don't know what your five are and if i pick if one of my picks is one of your picks you have to take it off your list and replace it yeah, so it's like you're kind of knocking each other out. Like I'm down for that. Yeah, it is it is such a simple thing, but it is so Bob and I have had a lot of fun with that. And I think oh, Bob is great. Yeah, 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 yeah. So so you'll have to do that. Um what uh I don't know, we plugged everything at the beginning, really. Just go listen, follow Nate on Twitter. All of his links are down there. I told Nate to make a link tree so that I wouldn't have to remember yeah. all his check links. out my books. I've got Love Potion six 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 Grindhouse Action Novella and Comfy Cozy Nihilus is my short story collection. It's out on Friday. Yeah, and, dude. Uh, don't forget the Genre Blast Film Festival. I run that every it, Labor Day definitely, weekend. Definitely. Um, yes, we 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 are we we love Genre Blast here at this channel for many reasons. Um, but yeah, this guy, dude, he never stops. This, this friggin' guy. I gotta like every time I see him doing shit, I'm like going, fuck, gotta do something. I gotta get going. I gotta do something. Um, doing what I can do. <laughs> do what you can do. Uh, with that, I'm going to say peace, hair grease. Check out the Patreon. Check out Nate, Nate's links. Uh, we will see you next time.